0: Hello everyone and welcome back to the Chaos Ball Podcast, the best Seattle Mariners podcast on the internet and in the known universe. How's everyone doing? I'm doing great, personally. What a week. What another week of excellent, excellent Mariners baseball. I will be breaking it all down for you here, Uh, breaking down the recent Braves series and the White Sox series that happened a few days ago as well. But what a week. What a week of more great baseball. Uh, Before I break down what happened in the White Sox and the Braves series, first and foremost, just a little business to attend to, Marco Gonzalez is uh, our Clemente Award finalist, which is great. I know Marco and his wife do a lot of good work in Seattle, and the community. uh, And I know Marco is just a king. In general, seems like a great guy, great dude, so shout out to him. Maybe he'll win the award, but he is our our team's finalist, and that's really cool. So shout out to Marco Gonzalez for everything that he does for the community. Second order of business, really there's not much business to attend to before I get into the games, but uh, I have written on the rundown here, uh, we need to have a discussion about Jesse Winker. I mean there's been discussion about him all year but I it's it's time to have a meaningful discussion as we head into the nitty-gritty. We were, we're we got 2-3 weeks left in the season. We got shit to do, you know. We got stuff to do, Jesse. And he means well. He does. He's a great guy. It's uh, it's just so interesting how this trade turned out to be the Eugenio swears trade. At least right now. I'm not writing him off. I'm not writing Jesse Winker off. His track record, he's a good ball player. So, hopefully next year he can get back on track. It's just, it's funny. Eugenio was the salary dump in that trade. Even though at the trade, I loved it just because it was a salary dump. But one, I don't care what the team spends. I'm not spending that money. The team's spending the money. I don't care. I'd spend all the money in the world. I'd bankrupt yourselves, and make the team good. I want that as the fan. I don't give a shit how much money they spend. Uh, he was the, quote, salary dump with Winker attached, and we gave him some prospects. But he was a salary dump with a track record of a dude who's a perennial 30, 30 home run hitter every year. And look what he's doing. We the, the Reds put him at shortstop last year, where he's not a good fielder at shortstop at all. I think it got to him. Uh, baseball is such a mental game. I think everyone knows it it didn't do him any favors. And he had a very down year last year. And then he was attached to this trade. We put him back at third, his rightful position, where he plays pretty good defense. And look what he's doing. He's mashing. And he's brought his excellent vibes over. Thank you, Reds. I appreciate it. I know Reds fans loved him, too. They loved both Wink and him. So just great to see. From Eugenio, but uh, back to the matter at hand. Jesse Winker, dude, this is just tough. It's just tough to see. It's funny he's played the most games this year he's ever played in a season in his career. Going back to when he debuted in 2017, he's played 47 games, 89 games, 113 games, 54 games, 110 games. Last year he he played those 110 games. He's played 123 so far but last year in his all-star season his his really his breakout. I mean, he kind of broke out and I mean, he has he's been a good ball player since he came up. Like this year is his worst statistical season by far. I mean, very small sample in his first season he played 47 games, but he had a 904 OPS with 132 OPS plus. Uh and this this season he has a 689 OPS with 104 OPS plus. It's just tough. I I don't know what the problem is. I, I don't know if he's just in his head. It changes scenery. Dude's figured out how to pitch him since last year because he's been a good ball player, but health has been an issue. Staying in the game has been an issue. But it's really interesting because... He had such a good season last year, and I didn't expect him to to have the same season. I thought, you know, he had a really, he had a breakout season. He absolutely mashed against right-handed pitching. Maybe the best right-handed against right-handed pitching last year from, a, from the left side. He was so good against right-handed pitching. I mean, he slashed 305, 304, 556 last year with a 403 weighted on-base average. 147 WRC+. Plus. Like that's a tremendous season. The season before, the 2020 short season, he played 54 games. He had a similar season. He had 255, 388, 544 with a very similar weighted on-base average. Put up 1.4 war in 54 games. So that kind of tracks to the next season. Last year, he played 110 games. He had three war. 22 offensive... offense in the... Batting and base running combined value, according to Fangraphs. Defense was minus nine. We knew that. We knew he was going to be this bad in the field. We got him for his hitting. And he's not doing that. And it's just really tough. So, I don't know. I hope in the offseason he gets it right and can at least be a better player than he has been. He's at least walking. I mean, it's super, super interesting that he, I think he's a second in the league now to judge in walks. But basically has been leading the league in walks the whole year. Which creates a lot of value in itself. But that's really all he's doing. Because he's playing terrible defense. We knew that. He was not. We knew he wasn't going to be a good defensive player. But at least stick him at DH and he was going to hit well. And he just hasn't been able to hit. It's just how I can count so many pop-ups with dudes on base. When he's up. It's just really tough. The approach of the point doesn't look bad. It's just his swing. His pitches. The pitches he chooses to swing at. I don't know. Because he's seeing the ball well. Clearly he walks at such a high rate. I just don't know. I don't know. I don't see the point of playing him over Sam Haggerty at this point. Um, Even Kyle Lewis, who's been hitting well in AAA, really well in AAA, maybe we get him back up and he sees some games in left field instead of Wink and maybe right field. Haggerty plays left. Hanniger can DH. Hanniger hasn't been hitting well, but I trust Hanniger at this point way, 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 way more than Jesse Winker. But that—that's my Winker conversation. I just don't know. I'm—I'm really—I'm really rooting for the guy. But down the stretch here, I mean, haggerty has been playing so well, he has to start in left field over him. The defense, especially. haggerty has been magical over there, and when Dylan Moore comes back, same thing. Dylan Moore's a great defensive player and had been hitting pretty well. So I don't know where Winker fits in in this last down the stretch. Maybe he gets really hot. And proves this wrong. Maybe he wins ALCS MVP or some shit. That would be the craziest thing. That would be a huge redemption arc. Last thing I have to say about Jesse Winker. uh, Shout out to Lookout Landing. The SB Nation Mariners page they tweeted out yesterday. Which made uh, some people quite mad on Twitter. Which I think was pretty funny. Uh, Since the All-Star break, Winker has 118 WRC+. Which is pretty astounding given how terrible he's been hitting. It's just the walks, and when you're talking about runs created, especially weighted runs created, averaged out, like he's 18 points above league average, and it, it walks are a really, really good offensive contribution, and he's walking a lot. So you give it, give him that, because he he's at least been valuable in some run creating this year. Imagine if he was hitting, what his WRC plus would be. <laughs> Imagine if his his slugging was more than his on-base percentage. Man, it's just so interesting. So he's still creating runs because of his walks. It's just... It's tough when he's not hitting. I don't know. It's interesting. But that's the Wink update. That is the Wink update. Now to get into your Seattle Mariners baseball this week. As it stands... Right now, where are we in the wild card? Let me pull it up. Because last time I looked, we were still vying for the third spot, but teams have been losing. Um, Oh, we're tied for first again. I mean, us, Tampa, and the Jays have kind of been hovering around the same record uh, for a long time now. Uh, The the Orioles kind of... I've slowed down. They're still only five and a half back, but it's September 12th. <laughs> it's getting it's getting late, and the Orioles need to make a run or hope that one of us, Tampa Bay or Toronto, starts losing games because if we keep winning, if we all keep winning at the clip we are, yeah, these are the wild card teams, which it's astounding how similar we are. Last ten games for Tampa, they're seven and three. Last 10 games for Toronto, they're 8-2. and two. Last 10 games for us, were seven and 3 Tampa's plus 65, run differential, we're 66, Toronto's 67. And then Baltimore's plus 1. <laughs> the White Sox are minus 11. The White Sox are playing some good baseball right now. Speaking of, we'll go into the series, but they're playing some good baseball. They're 7-3 in their last 10. They're only 7 games back now. It would take a lot for them to make the playoffs at this point, but they're making a name for themselves. And I don't want to point out that Tony La Russa still isn't the manager and they're playing this well, but Tony La Russa hasn't been their manager in these all of these games that they're winning. And they're playing way better baseball without him being manager? I mean, that's not surprising literally at all. Like, if you know baseball even a little bit, that's not surprising. But that's where we sit. I'll go into a little bit more... Playoff update later, just looking at what our matchups would be. What we really want to do, obviously, is get the number one wild card spot, but we'll talk about that later. So, let's get into it. Let me just take a sip of my coffee and we will break down the weird White Sox series we had. So, September 5th is when we kicked off. Against the Chicago White Sox in Seattle, Marco Gonzalez was facing Lance Lynn in this game, and it was uh, it was some good pitching, very different pitching. Marco went seven innings, four runs, three or four hits, three runs, one walk, three strikeouts. He gave up two home runs. Um, AJ Pollock and that fucking Elvis Andrews. God, I hate that dude. Just retire. I'm so tired of seeing Elvis Andrews still in the American League, still hitting against the Mariners. Um, but point is, Marco, another quality start. It's a pretty decent offensive team. Definitely gave the team an opportunity to win this game, although we did not because Lance Lynn went seven innings, gave up three hits, one run, not earned, only walked one, and K-11 dudes. Great performance from Lance Lynn. When Lance Lynn's on, it's really fun to watch. The dude is a unit. He throws gas. He screams. Some of the White Sox, like Liam Hendricks, they're, they're, those dudes just scream after they throw fastballs. And we saw Liam Hendricks in this game, um, which he did give up a run in the ninth. But unfortunately, we could not get it done, and we fell 3-2 to the White Sox in the first game of the series. Marco, again, another quality start. In which he gets the loss. Um, unfortunately, Lance Lynn just outdueled him and had a fantastic performance. And the offense was too little, too late. Um, we almost got it done in the ninth. Uh, Mitch Haniger started off with a single. Carlos Santana struck out. Uh, Haniger advanced to second on a wild pitch. Cal flew out to Adam Engel and right. He just missed it. Uh, man, if Cal walked that off against Liam Hendricks, I would have gone ballistic. Uh, Eugenio then came in and walked. JP is the one who got the RBI in the ninth, and then slapdick Adam Frazier came up uh, to pinch hit for Abraham Toro and struck out swinging. Um, I get that Frazier is objectively a better hitter than Abraham Toro, but listen, I feel like you let Toro hit in that spot. Purely for vibes purposes, because he's walked, uh, walked us off before, but... That's splitting hairs at this point. Not um, not much else to say about this game. Just not a lot of offense. Not super exciting. Marco, another good start. Lancelin, looked great. Julio, couple hits. Henninger with a hit. Uh, that's it. Lost to the White Sox. Moving on to September 6th. In which this was a more fun game. More more good vibes in this game. Logan Gilbert with the start. Versus Johnny Cueto. A really fun pitching matchup. I love Johnny Cueto. Cueto went six innings, five hits, one in run, three walks, three strikeouts. Good start for Johnny Cueto. Did his thing. mess with timing, arm angles, velocity, pitch tunneling. He did all that. He's a fun pitcher to watch. If you like somewhat methodical pitching. Uh, but he went up against Logan Gilbert who, by God... September Logan Gilbert's a thing. He did this last year. He's doing it again. Dude is shoving right now. got his 12th win of the year. Six innings, five hits. No runs, no rock, no walks. Nine Ks. He was dominant. Dominant. And the bullpen came in and was dominant as well. Brash came in. Another hold. Munoz came in. Another hold. No runs. And then Seawall closed it out. Lights out ninth inning. And we won 3-0. What a game. The runs came from, no surprise here, Big Dumper hit another home run, a Dumper Thumper, a Dumper Donger, Dumper Dinger, whatever you want to call it. He hit another one. Uh, and uh, that was it. 3-0. Another pretty low-scoring game, very Mariners-type game, but pitching was fantastic in this game. I mean, they only gave up six hits, or seven hits to the White Sox. Um large part due to Logan Gilbert's dominance. That was a great game. That was a fun game. Um, it was good to get started off with Ty Franzy scored on an error, but then uh, Gilbert and Cueto just dueled basically for the whole game. Logan's off-speed stuff continues to look fantastic. It's a huge reason why he's doing this right now. His off-speed stuff looks great, and that's just really good to see going into the playoffs and the playoff chase like this. Um. And it was great to see Logan show some emotion out there. I, I don't think we've ever seen Logan that fired up. Uh, he took a page out of Lance Lynn and Liam Hendricks' books. He, f- When he got that, that final on the sixth, he was fired up. Absolutely fired up in front of the home crowd. It was fantastic. Love to see that. Love to see that. And that was it. We won 3-0 to tie the series at 1-1, heading into the rubber match, the final game of the series, in which um, took completely opposite sort of game to what just happened in the in the first two games. Uh, we had Luis Castillo versus Michael Kopech. Power on power. Kopech looked shaky. He looked like Michael Kopech. Uh, he, he has... Uh, the command issues come back to haunt him, and... Sometimes he hangs that slider up there, doesn't move too much. The fastball, you know it's coming, you can kind of hit it, but he went three and two-thirds, four earned runs, four hits, two walks, four strikeouts. And Luis Castillo, he started the game out and struck out the first seven batters of the game, which uh, was a record of some kind, which pretty astounding to watch him mow through seven straight dudes. With a little to no resistance. And then after that, he didn't look amazing. I mean, he looked fine, but the White Sox definitely had his number after that. It was really interesting. He only ended up with 8 Ks in the game after those first 7. Um, didn't quite make it 6. He went 5 and 2 3 with 5 hits. 6 runs, but only 3 of them were earned. 1 walk and 8 strikeouts. This was a stupid game. We, we ended up losing 9-6. to six. Um, Penn Murphy came in, looked fine. Matt Festa came in, looked great. Diego Castillo came in. Um, some runs were had. Chris Flexen came in the ninth, some runs were had. We kind of just, we gave that game up in the ninth and the eighth, which is really upsetting. Um, because it was tied going into the eighth, and we just gave it up. Which is really tough. Uh, Eugenio hit two home runs in this game for not Uh, his 27th and 28th, or 26th and 27th of the year off Kopech and Aaron Bummer. Um, but just a frustrating game after a really good start. It was a great start. <laughs> we we went up 4-0, then 4-2. to two, And the White Sox had a huge 6th inning. And uh, then Eugenia tried to claw one back. We got another back in the 7th to tie it. And then we just gave it up in the 8th and ninth with the pitching. And then the offense couldn't do anything. It was just... A lot of hope. I mean, they didn't give up. It's just... That was a tough loss. And a tough series loss to a team chasing a wild card spot. And a team that's finally getting a little healthy. And finally playing some decent baseball. Again, with their manager out. This was just a really frustrating game. It The vibe just... Just receded. As this game went on. They started out hot. Hot, 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 hot vibes. 4-0 in the third. Luis Castillo struck out the first seven dudes in the game. And Then, bam. They just started going down. Just a tough way to end that series at home. And a tough way to go into a series against the Braves, who are one of the best teams in the league. But, here we go. We had an off day, at least, before the Braves. So we picked up on the 9th of September against the Braves, and it was Robbie Ray versus Charlie Morton to start this series off. Two fun pitchers to watch. Charlie Morton, we kind of had his number in this one. Uh, Six and a third, six hits, four earned runs, two walks, five Ks. He gave up three home runs. Carlos Santana hit two off of him and J.P. Crawford. That's tough to give up a home run, J.P. Crawford, Charlie. Um he looked. He looked fine. It, the home runs just hurt him. His curveball looks. His curveball wasn't tremendous today. I will say, because um, when his curveball is doing the most it can do, it's it's one of the best curveballs in the league by far. By by spin rate, it's consistently like been the highest of the past like three years. Um, and he duelled Robbie Ray, who had a similar start. To be honest, five innings, eight hits, four earned, six Ks also gave up some home runs. He gave up a home run to Dansby in the first, not a great start. Uh Travis no He gave up a home run to uh and then he he came out. I mean, he was all right. He pitched as well as Robbie Ray usually likes to usually pitches, but the Braves lineup just fucks, man. The Braves lineup is very good and they hit a lot of home runs. They hit a lot of home runs. They hit four in this game. Two off Robbie Ray, then Michael Harris, who was really fun to watch. He had a home run off Festa. And Robbie Grossman, same inning, in a home run off Festa. Tough outing for our Italian man, Matt Festa. Um, but Matty Boyd came in, two shutout innings with three Ks. Looked great, encouraging from the pen from him. And then Penn Murphy came in and held the game for us to potentially go ahead in the ninth, which didn't happen. Kenley Jansen shut us out. After Raysal, Glacius shut us out. After AJ Minter shut us out. So after Morton, the bullpen, they're arguably the three best bullpen arms besides Hendricks came in and just shut us down. And they took the series 1-0 so far. First victory of the series for the Braves. And the only one. Um, So this game was a good reminder, I think. We had played so many bad teams up until this point. That it was like, ah, shit, okay. This is like what we're going to be playing in the playoffs. Like, this could be a World Series matchup, potentially, and the Braves are really, really good. The Braves are very good. So, this is a good reminder. And they they looked like a very good team. They look like the world champs. They arguably are better than their team last year, I think. I think they are better than the team last year. They've improved as a team since winning the World Series last year. They're really good. And this was a good reminder. So, uh, we go... <coughs> Into Game 2, down in the Series 1-0. And we have the Curb Man, George Kirby, on the mound against Max Freed. Another fantastic pitching matchup. The pitching matchups in this series were were pretty fun in their own right and very similar in their own right. Max Freed is awesome, um, but George Kirby is more awesome. I am so confident whenever George Kirby takes the mound I confidence grows in in me every every start with him. Like I've said this every podcast, every single start he's been getting better, and he's proving it. Six innings, three hits, one run not earned, and six strikeouts. Fucking hell, George! Against one of the one of the best, if not the best, lineup in the league. I think the best lineup in the National League, maybe. I mean, Dodgers, but oh God, what a what a performance! Like he his his two seamer was working today. The rest of his pitches were good. His slider was good. His four seamer was good, but his two seamer was moving today. That thing, when he to to right-handed hitters and left-handed hitters, obviously the the door cha- the backdoor is beautiful, but to right-handed hitters, it's fucking brutal. That thing starts ten inches off the plate. And front door's right on the edge of the plate. And he knows exactly where it's going. And you know he's not going to walk you. He can put it wherever he wants. And he's going to put it there every time. It's amazing to watch his command of his fastball. And it's it's just fantastic to see. And we, we know he's only going to get better from here. Like, this is his rookie year. He's got a 2.98 ERA. You can make a case for him to be top three in Rookie of the Year voting. He's been fantastic. Munoz came in, held it down. Swanson came in, held it down. Seawall came in, held it down. This was a fucking playoff game, baby. 3-1 victory. Gutty performance. Gutty, gutty performance. And home runs from Sam Haggerty and Eugenio Suarez to put us over the top in the lead. And this would have been a shutout. Uh, The only run came... uh, because of a J.P. Crawford error, basically. Dansby singled. This is the seventh inning. Um, Austin Riley put one right to J.P. It, it couldn't have been a more tailored 6-4-3, and J.P. boofed it in the center, and then Maddelson came in and uh, grounded out after Munoz replaced Kirby. <clears throat> so Kirby couldn't quite go seven because of that, but still six strong, no one runs um jp was another error i think it's 13 on the year for him very interesting year for jp i will have a discussion about him soon probably about what an interesting season it's been for him um been a lot of people on twitter trashing him and i've had enough of that i understand he's not been amazing this year but he still has contributed meaningfully to this team and we can't forget about what he did the first two months of the season he was fantastic When other guys weren't, when a lot of other guys weren't. It was him and France carrying that offense for weeks at the start of the season. Um, Just been weird. Uh, Weird, especially for a gold glove shortstop to all of a sudden be below average at his position. Maybe a move to second base is in his future. I don't know. But uh, this was a fantastic game. I love watching George Kirby pitch. And Max Fried was great, too. He only gave up two earned, and it was two bombs. Uh, six Ks. I mean, that curveball is fantastic. His fastball is great. Similar to Kirby, I think he can put his fastball wherever he wants. He didn't walk any guys today either. Um, and uh, Jesse Chavez came in, which Jesse Chavez got to be 55 years old at this point. Um, I think he's like 38 or 39 realistically, but dude is still pitching. He's still pitching pretty well. He's going, He's been in their bullpen all year. He's been pitching great. Um, but this was a good game to tie the series up. Going into the third game, very much playoff vibes. Absolute playoff vibes from this homestand. The White Sox, too, but this Brave series felt World series just because it was AL versus NL. The crowds were 44,000-plus every game. We had some of our best pitchers going. Uh, It's tied going into the third game, and we have Marco Gonzalez on the bump against the Atlanta Braves, against Jake Odorizzi, and Marco had a great, great pitching performance in this game. Great pitching performance, and this is fresh on my mind. I watched this game last night. I had a lot of tweets about this game. There were a lot of fun tweets. What a game. I think... I this is the this was the best win of the year. The best win of the year by far, even, I'll say that. Not even close. It's September. Every game counts. It's against the Atlanta Braves, one of the best teams in the league. Playoff atmosphere, playoff vibes. The team doesn't quit. The team never, ever, ever quits. And they showed that this game. And it started off with Marco. A great performance, again, from Markov. Silencing the haters, showing us all he has that dog in him. Six innings, two hits, one earned run, 5Ks. And that only home run, he gave up to Austin Riley, who tends to hit home runs from time to time. He's got 36 on the air. He fucking mashes. One solo shot to Austin Riley is all you give up in six innings to the Braves. Fantastic start. Beautiful start. We needed it. We needed that start. Because we got four against Jake Rizzi in three and two-thirds. He walked through. He K'd three. He shaky start. But we had him. We had his number. Julio, first inning. Lead off. Dong. Just a ridiculous home run, too. Crazy power from this dude. Like, he shoved shove that out to right field like Juan Soto does to left field. Just with ease. An easy oppo taco. What else happened? Oh, Eugenio hit another home run. I think that counted against... Oh, no, it didn't count against Loderizzi. That was McHugh's earned. But, um, breaking down what happened in the fourth inning after Julio, we're up 1-0 going in the fourth. Austin Rally, then homers to tie the game up. Right after that... Great bottom of the fourth inning to chase Rizzi out of this game. Adam Frazier with the bases loaded. Slap dick. He hit the shit out of that ball to center field. This was one of the farthest balls I've ever seen Adam Fraser hit. Scored two guys. And then Sam Haggerty singled him home to put us up 4-1. to one. And then at the bottom of the fifth, Eugenio muscled the ball out to center. Dude, is, it just hits piss missiles. He shit on that thing. And then JP Crawford in the bottom of the sixth at the dinger. The vibes are great. It's six to one. Going into the seventh. Who do we have on the mound in the seventh? Matt Brash. He comes in. He walks one. He K's three. He's out of there. Beautiful Matt Brash outing. Matt Brash, bullpen Matt Brash is him. I'll say it. It's him. He's him. Bullpen Matt Brash. So the vibes are great. We're going into the eighth. We're up six to one. We're on top of the world. We're going to win the series against the Braves. We're going to win the World Series because we're shit-kicking the Braves right now, 6-1. to one. Michael Harris homers in the 8th off of Eric Swanson, which is weird to see because he's been so good, especially against lefties. He's been so good. But Michael Harris has been fantastic this year, too. If it weren't for his teammate, Spencer Strider, I think Michael Harris probably wins rookie of the year in the NL. But that's the only run we give up in the eighth. Munoz comes in after that and shuts it down. And then oh uh, big, big boy Diego Castillo comes in then the ninth. and it's six to two at this point. And it's like, listen, okay, they're stringing some hits together. There's two on Michael Harris is up. It's like, all right, listen, you can give it you can, we can afford to give up a few runs here. We're up six to two, even if the two guys, on base, find their way home. Hopefully we can just get out of it, get a couple outs, close the game out. Michael Harris hits another home run. This is a no-doubter. We knew this was out. Ballpark deflated. And I was like, no, it's okay. It's okay. There's two. there's, There's two outs. We're up one. It's six to five. We're fine. Everything's okay. Paul Seawald comes in. It's like all right, Paul, it's six to five. This is why we 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 have you. This is a super high leverage situation against the Atlanta Braves in the top of the ninth. In September, we're up six to five in front of forty five thousand people in the home crowd. Eddie Rosario gets on base. And Robbie Grossman hits a fucking tank to right field. A no-doubter as well. It's not like these are wall scrapers. That thing went really far. And it was like, okay, shit, 7-6 Braves now on the top of the ninth. We eventually get out of the inning. And I would like to point out how many people on Twitter, how reactionary a lot of sports fan bases are. A lot of just sports fans are so reactionary, and you just can't be in baseball, especially with a game with no, no time limit. Like in football, for example, uh, you could get you could go ahead in and, and the final minute, and you're like, okay, if like Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, or, or Russell Wilson are on the other side of the ball, we're probably fine. I mean, there's a minute left. What are they going to do? Um... No, baseball you can never give up, especially with this team. So going into the ninth, we had we had the best chance to walk this game off because we had Haggerty, Julio, and Taylor Trammell coming up, and we were assuming Taylor Trammell was getting a pinch hit for Ty France, which did happen. Um, but Sam Haggerty comes in against Kenley Jansen in the bottom of the ninth. After everyone said the game's over, oh, the game's over, oh man, momentum gone, Uh, the Braves won this one, despite us not hitting yet. There are a lot of you who embarrass yourself, I tweeted this on Twitter last night, y'all embarrass yourselves, saying this game was over. Being very reactionary, probably a little hyperbolic, but y'all said this game was over. And I did not. I tweeted to the tune of, let's get it done in the bottom half, boys. That's, a tune. that's That's how we got to take this attitude with this team, especially going into the playoffs. I believe in this team until the score says final and we've lost. I will never count these boys out. Never, ever, ever. I learned that last year with these particular boys, and especially with this team, who's better than last year's team. I am never going to count them out of a baseball game. I never will. I never, ever will. And sure enough, what happens? Julio hits a fucking missile. After, after st- to after Sam Haggerty does some stupid shit. Sam Haggerty misses a bunt, and it's like, oh, okay. There's a strike, and they know I'm going to bunt. I'm going to lay down another one out immediately. I love Sam Haggerty, but what are you doing? Was that on the coaches? Was that your decision? Either way, bad decision from the coaches and or Sam Haggerty to try to bunt again. I know Austin Riley was playing back, but he clearly knew you were bunting. He was cheating on that second one, and that's why he got out. But then Julio comes up, wastes no time, one and one pitch, bang, 117 off the bat, straight into the cantina and left, and we have a tie ball game. And a funny thing, there was a funny post on the on Twitter I saw the other day. That was the the Braves subreddit, <laughs> and someone was like oh, we should pitch around Julio here. And someone's like, oh, why would you pitch around someone with a one-run lead in the ninth? Worst he could do is tie it. (laughs) And, like, not 20 seconds later, someone's like, well, he tied it. (laughs) And he did. In spectacular fashion, he tied it. I screamed so loud in my apartment. I yelped. And I'm feeling it again. There's one out. I'm feeling it. I'm feeling the juice. Ty France comes up and pops out, which you hate to see. So there's two outs now, and uh, I'm no longer feeling it as much. I know Eugenio's coming up, but the Ty France pop out really took it out of me. But sure enough, Eugenio comes up, takes a ball, gets a strike, then gets his pitch, deposits it to left center. Game over. Mariners win in the ninth. 8-7 over the Atlanta Braves to win the series 2-1. In September in a playoff race, off of Kenley Jansen, for Christ's sake. Are you kidding with this team? This is crazy what they're doing. This was the simultaneously do worst and best game of the year. This was the worst bullpen meltdown of the year, by far. By far, from our best guys. Eric Swanson gave up a dinger to start it, and didn't look great. And then Andres Munoz was fine, but Diego Castillo came in and looked bad. Seawold came in and blew another save. He rarely does that. But sure enough, the catalyst for all of this was Julio and Eugenio, of course. It was Julio first and then Eugenio. And this team just doesn't quit. That's two dingers for Julio on the day and two for Eugenio. Are you killed? Oh my goodness! What a game! What a game of baseball! I was I was elated. Last night I put on my Mariners gear and went out to walk my dog, and if you don't, I live down in the country of Dodgers and Angels fans, and man, I'm happy that I can rock my Mariners gear with pride out here. Oh my God! I was so happy after this game. I could not believe it. Twitter was Twitter I I love I love you Twitter. That was an amazing amazing day. A lot of you embarrassed yourselves and then said Oh yeah, no. I thought I thought we would hit a home run. I thought we'd tie it. No you didn't. No you didn't. You said it was over. You said it was over. Don't lie to yourself. Oh, <laughs> uh, and with that, we take the dub. The series dub at home, 2 to 1 against the Braves. To cap off another excellent, beautiful, fantastic week of Mariners baseball. What a team this is. What a fucking baseball team we have on our hands here. They just do not quit. They just don't quit. And this showed America, I think. Everyone knows it. All I've heard from coaches, and Snicker after the game confirmed this, all I've heard from coaches this entire year is like this team's really hard to play. Their pitching, their bullpen, very good. Their fielding is really good. They're at-bats. They take professional at-bats most of the time. They make you work for your outs. And they never quit. Snickers is like, yeah, we knew this. We knew they don't quit. We know that they don't say die. And look what happened. Just fantastic. Uh, cool stat from this game. Julio Rodriguez and Michael Harris II, are the first players age 21 or younger to hit two-plus home runs in the same game in Major League history, which is crazy. That's a really cool stat. Two very young stars and bright futures ahead of them both. Potential Rookie of the Year, both of them, I still think Strider has in the bag for the NL, but two of the best young players in the league for sure, for sure. And the last time multiple players aged 20 or younger hit two-plus home runs on the same day, on the same day, so this never happened in the same game, but the same day, was August 21st, 1996, A-Rod on the Mariners, and Scott Rowland on the Phillies. So um, two Hall of Famers, well, not Scott Rowland, Scott Rowland, I should be in the Hall of Fame. Um, Good company. Julio and Harris, incredible rookie seasons so far for both of them. Incredible rookie seasons. And that's it. <laughs> that's the week of Mariners baseball. What a week. Especially capped off by the best one of the year. Walk off Julio and Gino dingers in the ninth. What a game. I will remember this game forever. I wish I was there for this game. But my God. What a fantastic week again. Still in the thick of it in the wild card race because of this. Um... This reminded us, at least, that we know how to play good teams. Taking two out of three against the Braves is a great way to show everyone that you still mean business. You can still beat playoff teams. Played some great baseball against the Guardians recently. Lost some tough games with the White Sox, but then beat the Braves. And it's beautiful to see this team blossoming. Beautiful to see this team does not quit. It's beautiful that we can beat up on other teams besides the lower tier teams in the league. Just beautiful. Beautiful week. All right, moving on. A little health update. Ty Francis' wrist has been bothering him. I think that's part of, I think he's going to have a little stint out. <clears throat> Part of why he's been a little subpar still at the plate, he, his wrist apparently has been bothering him, so that sucks. But with the games we have coming up, he can afford to have some games out. I think, um, I hope it's not an IL stint. It would totally just be a 10-day IL stint, and if that's what it's going to take, that's what it's going to take. Haniger, I guess, is hurt again, too. He came out last night. Um, let me see if there's an update on him that came out this morning or anything, but he might have another IL stint as well, which really sucks. It was his back. So really hope that both of those guys are fine, but I have a feeling they both might hit the IL, which means maybe we see more Kyle Lewis, more Taylor Trammell, hopefully not more Jesse Winker in the field. Um... And maybe, uh, listen, I'm not going to say it, but Evan White? I mean, I'd rather have Evan White than Jake Lamb at first base. I'll say it. I like Jake Lamb. He seem like a good guy, but I at least want to try out Evan White. <laughs> but that's the health update. Hopefully those dudes are fine. But if they need to take an IL 10-day stint before we have the playoffs, I really, that's fine. I mean, get, get yourselves right for the last week of the season and come back stronger that's it for the big league club beautiful week of baseball for the big league club just amazing um and that was the recap of the white Sox and the brave series and now just a little minor league update kyle lewis as i mentioned before has been mashing recently so i think we see him up especially if hanniger is hurt i think if hanniger goes to the il kyle lewis is getting the call up immediately i think i think he's back and what an X-factor he might be if he's hitting well. Especially because Mitch hasn't really been hitting well. Maybe it's because his back's been hurt. I don't know. But point is, Kyle Lewis has been hitting well. So I think he's first one back up with the team if uh, there's a roster spot open. Uh, Cade Marlowe, again, can't have a minor league update and not talk about this dude. Cade Marlowe, who's just been mashing. He just joined the 2020 club this season. And what a season he had. I am so excited to watch this dude play more baseball next year. Do we see him up in the bigs next year? If he keeps hitting like this, if he hits anywhere close to the numbers he put up on the Travs this year, and he does that with the Travs and the Rainiers next year, I think we see him up in the bigs. Maybe in September. I don't know. He just looks like a solid, solid ball player. So... That's really encouraging to see from Cade Marlowe. And I really hope that he has a really good offseason and works on his game even more and comes back better because that will give us some headaches in the outfield lineup. But that's good. That's good to have. It's good to have these dudes in the wings. Uh, Cole Young and Tyler Locklear are one and two picks in this year's draft. Very, very good start to their professional Mariners careers. Uh, Their seasons ended yesterday. Cole Young, who, uh, and it's funny, these guys are, complete the infield. I think uh, Tyler Lockerler plays corner infield, I think he plays first and third, and Cole Young is a shortstop second base, so that's kind of fun. Uh, Cole Young's final numbers for, for him in his first pro season, and shout out to Mariners Miners, again on Twitter, the best Mariners Twitter account on the app, Mariners Miners, at M-I-L-B My, Mariners. The final numbers for Cole Young in his first pro season. 17 games, and he slashed 367, 423, 517. That is good for a 940 OPS with two home runs, 14 RBIs, eight Ks and eight walks, and four stolen bases. That is a solid 17 games for your first pro ball. So, might have one for the future there. Jerry D might have done it again, folks. Because I'm about to read you Tyler Locklear's first pro pro season two, He played uh, almost double the amount of games as Cole Young. but And he went 31 games. He slashed 285, 366, 504. Gets good for an 870 OPS. He had 7 home runs in that time with 8 walks and 30 Ks. He finished really strong. I think he had a tougher start, but he kind of raked down the stretch here towards the end of the season. And I think... We're going to see a lot of home runs in this dude's future. I mean, the Ks K's are really high, but with eight walks, it's a fine K-to-walk ratio, especially if you have seven dingers to go along with that. In 31 games, that's solid. So I think he's more of a strikeout guy who can see the ball pretty well, but hit the ball really far. So especially what you want to see out of a first base, third base sort of guy like that. So. Kind of different players that complement each other in a way. Cole Young and Tyler Locklear are kind of different, sort of vibes from these dudes, but equally as important to the future of the franchise and very good first few, first month of pro ball for both of them. So that's very encouraging to see. Uh, Harry Ford as well, uh, our first round pick last year. Harry Ford's first pro full pro season. 104 games he played, slash 274, 425, 438. That's good for an 863 OPS. He had 23 doubles, 4 triples, 11 home runs in this time with 89 runs, 65 RBIs. What stands out to me is 88 walks to 115 Ks. That's fantastic. In 104 games? That's tremendous. Love that. Big fan of that. With 17 hit by pitch, which is definitely higher in the minors because the dudes are a little wild, especially down there in high A. Uh, But also to go along with it, 23 stolen bases. So 11 home runs, 23 stolen bases for him this year as a catcher who also showed he's a pretty good arm. He's a very good arm. As I've said before, he's like a six-tool guy. He's a five-tool player who plays catcher. That's six tools. (laughs) Just kind of an anomaly but maybe this is more what we see from modern baseball. I don't know. Uh, You see a catcher who has a 2020 ability with fantastic defense and really good instincts on the base path. So, and can swing the bat because his home runs, I saw a few of them. It's not, they're not cheap home runs. He's hitting some bombs out there. So fantastic first season for Mary Ford again. So despite depleting the minors, This season a little bit, with guys graduating to the Major League level and and trades happening, um, still a lot of bright spots down there, which speaks to this player development team that we have going at this franchise and is really encouraging to see for the future. So, those three guys, those four guys especially, Cade Marlowe, Harry Ford, Tyler Locklear, and Cole Young, position players uh, just raking down there. Fantastic first full seasons, so very good to see it. Very encouraging. Then a fun little update from the Everett Aqua Sox, the best minor league team, especially because of their logo. Uh, Dariel Gomez plays first base down there. Twenty-six home runs this season. Honestly, might be more. That was tweeted three days ago. Uh, Twenty-six home runs. That's a lot of home runs for any level. So, Dario Gomez, I guess, one to watch. For he, I think he plays first base. So I guess he probably DHs too, but huge power down there in Everett. So, that's fun to watch. Um, and that's it for the minor league update. Uh, very encouraging stuff this week and this season out of the minors. So, hope to see that again next year and see these guys grow. And if you're going to spring training next year, I have a feeling you'll see Cade Marlowe, Cole Young, Tyler Locklear. I have a feeling you'll see Harry Ford. You'll see all these guys. So that would be super fun. Uh, Some random news around the league. After I preview the week a little bit, the week preview, we got the Padres and interleague set on Tuesday and Wednesday at home. That'll be interesting to see how we play the Padres. Uh, They're another good team after the Braves, but we're definitely riding very high after that Braves series. So going in with a lot of confidence, we'll see what happens in that series. And then we play the Angels over the weekend. And that'll get us to the next pod. And uh, I think I might be going to a few of these Angels games so I can give some updates on stuff I saw live there. So next week's pod might be that much better because I might see... I think I'm going to at least two. I'm going to at least two of these games at Angel Stadium. So that should be really fun Uh, because I haven't really gotten to see these guys this year play live at all. So I'm excited about that. Really excited. Uh, So that's the rest of the week. Two more off days today and uh, Thursday. And then a big set of kind of shit teams after that. We play the Angels A's, Royals off day, Rangers A's, and then finish the season with the Tigers. So that is the rest of the week for you. Uh, Some random news around the league. A Goldschmidt Triple Crown update. He is not leading in any of the Triple Crown categories right now, as I speak, Uh, but he's quite close. He's six points of average behind Freddie Freeman. He is two home runs off the lead of Schwarber and one behind Austin Riley. He has 35. Those two dudes have 36 and 37, respectively. And he is tied in runs batted in. I guess he's tied for first in one category with Pete Alonso, with 109 on the year so far. Um, And I don't see anyone catching them unless they really light the world on fire. So it's kind of them two battling out the runs batted in. Because after that, the NL, CJ Krohn, and Justin Turner are tied for, or Trey Turner, not Justin Turner, are tied for 96. So quite a far way away. But uh, still not out of the realm of possibility. Six average points, two home runs and tied and and runs about it in, still very much in the race for Triple Crown. I hope it comes down to, like, the final couple games, and it comes down to him just trying to hit, like, three dingers in the final two games. I think that'd be super fun. Uh, But that's the Triple Crown update for you. Uh, Pujols update. He hit his 697th this week. So he's close. He's three away. God, I hope he gets there before the end of the season. Because if he A-Rod's this, if he A-Rod is at 696, and I cannot believe he didn't come back to try to hit 700, I just, I couldn't live with myself if I was that close. I Like 680-something, I would, I would not come back, but if I'm within 10, I'm coming back, and I'm only trying to hit dingers. I'm not trying to do anything else besides get to 700. So Pujols, very close, and I saw he also didn't want that home run back. Keep let the Pirates fan keep it, or gave it to a Pirates fan, so that's cool. Pujols, by every uh, everything I've ever seen about Pujols, he's a great guy. Great teammate, great dude. Um, everyone in baseball is rooting for him to get 700, so I hope he does that just for the sake of the game. That'd be really, really cool. Uh, my last random news around the league, Mike Trout this week was lighting the world on fire, as Mike Trout liked to do. Uh, six games in a row with a home run this week. He's just back. He's fully back. He's had a weird season, but fantastic week from him. And the Angels, to be quite honest. They've been playing some decent baseball the past couple weeks with Trout and Shohei, both healthy. Surprising that they play better with those guys. Uh, But that's the random news around the league. I am going to have a special pod, um, a special one-off episode about the new rules, because that would make this podcast way longer, way way longer and I just want to talk about it on a separate thing, about the new rules update for next year. So, last thing I will do is update us on the playoff picture. As I said, we are tied currently with the Rays for the first wild card spot. The Blue Jays being a half game back in the third wild card spot. The National League wild card right now, the Braves are 10 and a half games up. The Braves are in the playoffs. It's them and the Mets right now battling for the the division and the other one is just going to be the first wildcard team. Uh, but the Phillies and the Padres are the two and three, respectively, in the wildcard race with the Brewers back of them two games. And after that, um, that's, that's it. The Giants are nine and a half back. I mean, I don't see them making a run. Same with the Diamondbacks. So it's basically those four teams plus the Mets-Braves thing. That's more what we should be following here. With the AL, again, I mentioned the Orioles and the White Sox are are close, but there's breathing room. There's a lot of breathing room. So uh, the standing-wise, obviously the Astros are still leading the division. We're 11 games back. We were never going to catch them. Um, They're still really good. They're probably going to win close to 100 games, maybe more than 100. So uh, the Astros will take the division. They're just playing for seeding at this point. The AL Central Central is a shit show still. The Guardians are 2.5 up on the White Sox, four and a half up on the Twins. White Sox are playing well, though. So that division race should be pretty fun down the stretch. And crucial to us, because we might end up playing one of those teams, depending on where we are seating-wise. And then the American League East, uh, the Yankees have started to play better baseball recently. Uh, Finally. Um, They have five and a half game lead on the Rays. Six-game lead on the Blue Jays and the Orioles, 11 and a half games. So that's that division's close. The Yankees should take it. It's more about the wild-card race, especially between the Rays and the Jays and the Orioles. Those are the three other teams battling with us and the White Sox. So that's the American League picture. So if the league ended, if the the regular season ended today... Technically the only team who's clinched the playoffs is the Dodgers, I believe, at the moment. But if it ended today with the new playoff structure, we would be tied with the Rays for the first wildcard spot. And I don't know what the tiebreaker is. I'm just going to assume the Rays have the tiebreaker over us. I don't know why. I would just So I'm just gonna say we're the second wildcard team. So if we're number five, we would play the Rays no matter what so if we're the if we're the fourth or fifth wildcard spot we'd play the Rays no matter what so what what's interesting is whoever wins the central is going to be comfortably the worst team in the American League playoffs which makes this new format really interesting because it's a trade-off at this point, because if we don't get the first, if we don't get the first wild card spot, we have no chance at home field advantage at all in the playoffs. If we get the first wild card spot, we at least have home field for the entire first series, which is huge. So at this point, we can't be the fifth AL team in the playoffs. We have to be the fourth or the sixth, because if we're the fourth, we have the home field advantage for the first game against the f- second place wild card team, or for the series, for the whole series, we have home field advantage, and that's what we want. If we're going to play the Rays, I'd rather play them at home. And if we're and if we're the fifth, you don't you don't get either. But if you're the sixth wild, if you're the sixth ranked team, if you're the third wild card team, you get to play the AL Central winner. Which will be comfortably the worst team in the playoffs, record-wise. You'd play the White Sox or the Guardians, basically. I doubt the Twins, but maybe. So, but it'd be a way. So, if we played, let's say, the Guardians, as it stands right now, if we were the third wildcard team, we'd go to Cleveland again to play the Guardians, which honestly I'd take over being the number 5th wildcard spot going to the Rays. So basically, the second wildcard spot's cursed right now. We want the third or the first wildcard spot to play either the worst team in the playoffs or to have home field advantage for the first series. And potentially, I guess, the ALCS, if the number 6 team in the AL does go, and we do too, but that's way down the line. So, point is, that's what we want. It's such an interesting race right now just because the AL Central is so bad, so garbage. Uh, so we'll see how that all shakes out. But going into the last week of the season, maybe we strategically lose a couple games so that we get the third wildcard spot because the Rays have amassed a couple game lead for the first. And what's the point of chasing them when we could just slide into the third wildcard spot and play a worse team on the road? I, I It'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, the NL wildcard, the NL situation right now, uh, the race to watch, it's honestly all really boring except for the National League East, the Mets and the Braves. That is the division to watch going down the stretch here. The Braves are a game and a half back. Thanks to us, to the Mets, but man, a game and a half with three weeks, a lot could change. A lot could change. Um, and that does shake up the playoffs a little bit. Because obviously you want to win your division. And either team that wins the division here will most likely get the second place bye. If they maintain a better record than the Cardinals. Which they both have a better record right now than the Cardinals. The Dodgers obviously will be the first place team. uh, But what you want to do right now is get that bye. So that will be a really fun playoff to watch. But as of right now, the Dodgers and the Mets would get the one and two buys. And then the Cardinals would play. Who would they play? The Cardinals would play the Padres. And then the Phillies would go to Atlanta. Oh, that'd be a lot of home runs in that series. That'd be fun as fuck. Okay. Wow. All right. So that's how the playoff picture looks right now. And uh, that's it for the pod, everyone. I appreciate you listening. We're just over an hour here. Hopefully you enjoyed the recaps. Uh, If you enjoyed this, please rate and review the pod. Follow us on Twitter at ChaosBall1977. Um, Please email questions or uh, hit me up on Twitter for anything you might desire about Mayors Baseball or the podcast in general. Uh, Thank you again for listening. Hope you guys have a great week. Again, please rate and review the podcast on wherever you are listening. Uh, And I appreciate you recommending it to any of your Mariners fans, friends, family, acquaintances, people on the street in Seattle even. Say uh, I promote it to anyone, anyone you want. Uh, So have a good rest of the week, everyone, and go Mariners.